Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. Also, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, time to get into our show. On today's show, we have Stace Casaria here with us. Stace, thanks for being here. How's it going? It's going great. I'm really excited to be on tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Before we head into the interview, here's a little bit about Stace. Stace is the founder of Trust Deep Branding Agency and an award-winning writer and branding expert with 20 years of experience. Stace has also been investing in real estate for more than 20 years and is currently both an active and passive investor. Through his branding and marketing expertise, he enables businesses to create long-term loyalty and relationships built on deep trust. So for all you active listeners, all you active investors out there, we all know how crucial the marketing piece is for this business. So Stace, really looking forward to this interview. So let's jump right in. And could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Sure, absolutely. So like you said, I've been investing in real estate for a little bit more than 20 years. I bought my first single family home right after graduate school. I was actually still living at home, but I bought an investment property, a single family, it cash flowed a few hundred dollars a month. And I was happier than you can imagine. <laughs> you know, this the process was working. And then a few years later, I got married and my wife and I bought a duplex, lived in one side, rented out the other one. That worked. And then in the time since we've acquired a small portfolio of singles and, and duplexes in Connecticut, and we've started selling those. We sold one last month and we have three left that we're going to hold on to, but the market's just been really great. So we're going to hold on to those. And I also own a small apartment building here in Massachusetts, and that one we're going to keep for a while. And we invest passively in Georgia in an apartment complex. And that's something I'd really like to get more involved in scaling up, being less involved. Although I do enjoy it, I would like to be involved in some bigger projects that would let me use my expertise in branding and marketing to help propel an apartment complex forward. Awesome. Well, we're excited to talk to you today about branding. And so just kind of high level, you know, what is branding? Sure. So branding is the process that a business goes through to make the jump that this is how I think about it, going from a commodity to a brand. A commodity is something that's relatively indistinguishable from any other option. Like you go into the supermarket and there are brands and then there are things that are just, you know, a commodity and you wouldn't choose one over the other for any particular reason, maybe because one is less expensive. But if you're, for instance, if you're a fan of Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola is a brand and you're not going to choose an off-market cola. You're going to choose the one that you want because Coke has gone through the effort to create a feeling, an experience that goes beyond the product. And you sort of, with brands, you understand that there's something more than the product or service. They've got a particular look to them, like a logo, and they create a feel for their customers. 
if you think about Starbucks, like go beyond the product, the coffee itself, but like Starbucks has created an entirely different experience than if you were to walk into a Dunkin' and get a cup of coffee there. But putting the product aside for a second, whether you like the taste of one or the other, but the experience you get is very different in Dunkin' versus Starbucks. And Starbucks has brought together a number of elements that are driven by their mission, their values, their goals, and they have a way of serving their customers that's completely unique. That's what brand is. This ability to stand out from people who are doing the same thing you're doing but you've got like some special sauce, some magic, and it's driven by something that's either within you or something that you feel really strongly about. That's a brand. Mm-hmm. This may seem obvious, but what are the top level benefits of branding? Sure. That's a great question because sometimes there are benefits that you might not even see. So there, there are four that we can talk about real quick here. The first one, like I said, is differentiation. So going through the process of establishing your brand helps you stand apart from other people. And if we're talking to some of your listeners who might be people who are looking to buy distressed properties, for instance, and you know they're sending out mailers to homeowners, they know that it's very difficult to get somebody to call you back because the homeowners are receiving tons of yellow letters. And so you're hoping to win that yellow letter lottery. But a brand like We Buy Ugly Houses stands apart. And you know I don't know anything about their business other than the brand itself, but they have an ability to create like a legitimate and standardized way of doing wholesaling. So even if you boil it down and say like, create like an elevator pitch for yourself. So you're like, oh, you know, I don't need to go and create a big brand, but what's the first level of branding? It's like when you introduce yourself to somebody else, how will I stand apart when I say hello to somebody? So think about being at like a meetup, a real estate meetup in You introduce yourself to a guy and the guy says, I'm Bob, I'm a wholesaler. I got lots of properties under contract. You're like, okay, I heard that pitch, you know, two minutes ago from somebody else. But then you talk to another guy who says, I'm Tom, I'm the wholesaler who helps flippers earn $20,000 more in every house. You're like, oh, okay. That's, I mean, he's established himself in a way that makes me understand what he does and what he's focused on. And if nothing else, I'm going to ask him another question like, oh, how do you do that? He's piqued my curiosity because he's able to stand apart from everybody else who's doing the same thing. And again, that's just like a a small example of refining an elevator pitch. But to refine it, you first have to understand like what you stand for or have something to talk about. So that's differentiation. Another benefit is credibility. So credibility is your ability to speak articulately on a topic. It's your ability to be seen as a thought leader. Credibility is also integrity. Integrity is how closely your actions align with your beliefs. So there are people who come across to us as credible because they walk the talk, as they say. That's another benefit to branding. So your brand is going to help you establish your credibility by showing your skills, your talents, your expertise in a topic. The third benefit is focus. So in order to create a brand, you need to first understand your mission. You need to find your why, as they say. And this helps you become an expert in a certain area. So if you think about Nike, so Nike makes athletic wear. They care about helping people exercise and work out, but they don't make kayaks and they don't make treadmills and they don't make energy drinks. This helps them focus their marketing budget more wisely And it really allows them to get to know their customers' needs incredibly well and how to connect with them. If they were to spread themselves very thin, covering everything under the sun of 
exercise or athletic ventures, they just wouldn't be able to connect with people on the same level that they are now. The fourth benefit is your ability to command a premium price. And so this should pique the curiosity of your listeners. Like, so how does a brand allow you to generate more revenue or higher revenues? So the process of branding is it creates a cohesive, attractive appearance for you that looks put together. And so if I go and buy this product that has this appearance, I'm going to trust that I will be happy with the product. And it's just the way it works. You know, like we all go into the store and we, we make choices and we will choose a product and two things might look similar, but one costs more and one, but it might have better branding. And you're like, I believe that this will be better for me. There's a real ability to command a premium because that brand has substance behind that image. It's not just the look of the package or the logo. There's something behind that brand that they've used to develop everything that the brand stands for. It allows for the brand to connect with us in meaningful ways. You know, like we talked about Starbucks before. Starbucks isn't just a cup of coffee, it's an experience. And if you think about something like like Harley Davidson isn't transportation, it's not a motorcycle, it's a way of life. They have incredibly strong customer loyalty. And when you when you have people loyal to you, they will gladly pay more for any product or service that you're selling. At what point does someone start a brand? You know, if you're a large company, I think it's one thing, but when you're a real estate entrepreneur or starting up, you know, just a small startup, you know, there's almost that experience piece that you need to fully complete the branding process. But what is your suggestion for someone that's just starting a business early stages as far as how soon should you really start branding yourself? That's a good question. So when we talk about branding, a lot of times the common perception is that branding is like logo or a website or a color palette or, you know, a, a certain typeface that you use. But for me, brand really starts with understanding your mission because everything is going to come from that. Like your values are going to come from that. Your goals are going to come from that. And your visual identity will be expressed because of the things that you believe in or the mission that you have. And you're going to want to attract a certain type of customer. So I believe as soon as you decide to get into business, like you want to be a real estate investor, you want to be a house flipper, you want to be an agent, a broker, something like that. You have to understand why you're getting involved in this. And that is the first step to me of forming a brand. So even if you don't say, hey, I'm not going to do any marketing, I'm not going to do any advertising, I don't need a website right now, I'm just going to start thinking about this activity that I want to do. I want to sell houses. Understand why you're doing it. Not what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Like what's going to drive you? Because later, all of your advertising decisions, all of your marketing decisions, all of your business decisions, all of your strategic decisions are going to come from your mission. And mission is the first piece of establishing a brand. Okay. Awesome. Are there other pieces then? Yeah, absolutely. So you'd start with that mission. And so I like to break it down into two halves of branding. So there's your substance and then there's your image. Image is all the stuff we see or stuff that quickly telegraphs to the world what you do. So like the name of your company is image and your logo and obviously like your color palette and like this color orange, for instance, is one of my brand colors. Your tagline is part of your image. It's those introductory things that people see and it tells them a little bit about you and they understand something, but they don't know the whole story yet. The whole story comes from the substance and the substance is 
your mission, your values, your goals. Those are the things that are going to form the content that you're going to create on your website. Or if you're sending out direct mailers, like how you talk to people or what you ask people for, or like the service that you're going to offer them, those things come out of your substance. So substance and image work together. You can't be all one or the other. If you're all substance and you don't have image, no one's ever going to notice you. And if you're just image, people are going to notice you and then try to get to know you and find that there's nothing behind the image. So they have to work side by side. It's sort of like the foundation of your house and the roof of your house. You need both of those or else the house won't stand. Mm -hmm. How do you decide whether you want to go with a personal image brand or like a company brand? So you got Apple, which is more company branded, and then a Grant Cardone, for example, who is branding himself, right? How do you decide which route you go with there? Yeah. So you have to understand what your trajectory is. So Grant's a good example of somebody who's created a fantastic personal brand. We understand exactly what he's all about. We really feel like it's authentic. We feel like his persona on stage is really him. The risk with that is it's harder to scale. So I'll, I'm going to use an example of I was looking into coaching for real estate investing. And there's a guy who he publishes tons of content. So I love his content. I love his videos. I bought his deal analyzer piece of software and he does coaching. I'm like, great. I'm going to get this guy as my coach because I love all the stuff he does. So then when I looked into it, I wouldn't be getting coaching from him. I'd be getting coaching from some guy who works for him. I mean, this guy's brand is his first and last name. The coach that they were going to hand me was Tom or Jim or Harry or something. I had no idea who that was. So I felt distrust instantly because I thought I was going to get the guy who was writing the content, the guy I saw on the video. So like, wait a second, I'm not going to get him. And this guy, while he works for the syndicator, I don't feel like I'm going to get the same value out of working with somebody who just happens to work with you. That's one of the risks in having a personal brand. If you're a broker or an agent, I think there's very little risk in having a personal brand because you're probably not looking to scale up and have 20 agents. If you do that, at that point, you're like, this is a brokerage and we're going to brand the brokerage. But if you want to create a personal brand, understand where you plan to be in five years. Like, I mean, Steve Jobs, you mentioned Apple before, the brand still is all about like his beliefs and his and his feelings and what he cared about. He wanted to democratize technology. He wanted to take something that was incredibly difficult and make it easy for everybody. He personally felt that and he made a company that lived up to that. For a long time, he was the face of the company, but we understood there was a brand outside of him. So when, when Steve Jobs passed away, the brand continued on. I mean, if Grant Cardone were to pass away or Tony Robbins is to pass away or something like that, like does the brand still exist? I don't think it would. I mean, like, it wouldn't be like, you know, I'm Tony Robbins' secondhand man. And now that he's gone, we're still doing the same thing. Believe in me. I mean, I know he has other people working for him, but there's just a risk in having one name or one face be the thing that everybody knows about your brand. 
Yeah. Even if you don't pass away, even if you just want to get out of the business or retire, your brand cannot live on forever or, you know, eventually continue to create wealth for you. Once you're done, it's done. So that's kind of how I see it too. Originally, I go through this myself. I wanted to brand myself, really want to brand our company who instills beliefs and mission and all that kind of stuff into our clients now. And I think that approach just allows you to be there for longer and maybe even forever in perpetuity. Sure. But and there's nothing stopping you from still establishing your personal brand as part of your business. But yeah, really understanding your long-term goals and, you know, you can hand it off to somebody else, sell the business, retire in Hawaii. I mean, it's like the brand is still working, you know, so that's always a benefit. Right. Talk about building like a trustworthy brand. You know, I think that's the number one thing when you look at a brand is immediately you trust that. What goes into that other than the obvious, you know, have integrity and do what you say, say what you do, but what else goes into that? Sure. So that's something we focus on. That's something our branding agency focuses on is building trustworthy brands. And there are four factors that we feel go into this thing we call the trust dynamic. So there's credibility, So credibility is your abilities, your skills, your talents, your knowledge, and your integrity. There's your track record. So track record is your ability to deliver a consistent result over time. A lot of people will say that trust takes a long time to create. It's actually not completely true. Track record is the only factor out of the four that takes a long time because you need to establish this pattern of reliability. So we have credibility and track record. The third thing to establish trust or a trustworthy brand is empathy. This is the human factor. And and studies show that empathy is the most significant influencer of creating trust, whether it's person to person or a brand, you know, a big corporation becoming trustworthy to its customers. Empathy is the ability to understand other people's realities and their needs. And just an example of a big company that had shown a lot of empathy during coronavirus. And so sure, you can think of other examples, but Verizon, not a company we tend to think of as being friendly or lovable, but you know they were offering at-home learning resources for parents who had kids at home during the pandemic. That's Verizon saying, we understand your reality. We could see ourselves in your shoes and we know your pain points. And we'd like to help you solve that. It's being human. It's like being relatable and and not just being, you can be completely focused on business, but you can look at it from a human perspective. And a lot of times people will write off empathy as a soft skill, but it is incredibly important in generating trust, whether it's person to person or your company to your customers. So that's three. The fourth one is alignment of interests. So we have credibility, track record, empathy, and alignment of interests. Alignment of interests is how well your goals and values match up with your customers. So for instance, if you think about Patagonia, the clothing company, they share a passion for preserving the earth and they share that with their customers. So people don't buy their clothes just because they're warm or they're fashionable. People buy into Patagonia the brand and their mission. And they say, you know what? You share my belief. I share yours. This brand has meaning to me. I will be loyal to your company and I will buy your jacket no matter what it costs. Awesome. Anything else about branding we haven't discussed that you wanted to go over? Yeah. You know, so 
something is like you don't need the budget of Apple or Nike to develop a memorable brand or something that helps you stand out. And it starts with that mission statement or just understanding why you're doing the thing you're doing, why you're in business. And you take that and then you let that start to inform how you act and how you market and how you attract customers. So don't think of branding as this big expensive process like that only Nike or Apple or Verizon can do. Anybody can do it. Even like I was talking about before that the elevator pitch, like just understand what you do. And when you introduce yourself to people, give it a good branding spin, you know, just like think it through and say something that's memorable and unique. Awesome. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. This podcast is sponsored by Bullpen. Bullpen is an online marketplace where you can find and hire top-notch commercial real estate analysts on an hourly or part-time basis to support your deals. The analysts on Bullpen have various skill sets from office brokerage in Topeka to multifamily development in New York and everything in between. We use Bullpen as a second set of eyes on all of our underwriting. Find your next analyst using Bullpen at www.bullpenre.com. Use our promo code APTCAPITAL when you sign up to receive a $100 credit towards your first hire. All right, Stace, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? So Rentometer is something I found incredibly valuable and I kind of have an interesting way of using it. Whenever I need to do a rent increase for my tenants, I will run the property in the neighborhood and I'll either print it or take a screenshot of it and I'll send it to every tenant who I'm raising the rent on and I'll explain to them, these are the market conditions, this is the average rent, your rent falls on this part of the scale. So I've never had anybody question me on a rent increase since I started doing that. Tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, holding on too long to something. So I mentioned that we were selling some of our properties and we sold one in September that I held on to for probably three or four years too long, even though prices were better now. The issue is that this is a waterfront property in Connecticut that requires flood insurance. When we bought the property, flood insurance on that building was $800. When I sold it, it was $8,000. So the flood insurance had increased over the past 13 years or something to the point where it removed all profit from the monthly cash flow. But I had an emotional attachment to that property. It was on the water. It was this great old house built in like 1860. It just, it was so cool. And it, and it had like, you can imagine having a lot of potential, but if it doesn't cash flow for me, I can't hold on to it. So my mistake was just like keeping it way too long. Do not get emotionally attached, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't get emotionally attached. And like, I did the math one day and I was like, you know what? If this increases in value, let's say $50,000, how long will I have to hold it to like make money on this? I'm like, oh, you know, it's never going to work because the flood insurance is just going to keep increasing. So do the math and like understand not to get emotionally attached, like you said. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? More courage. And this is something I talk to my kids about and like taking chances. So like most of my life, I've just lived so cautiously, you know, and I've realized, you know, as I'm nearing 50, I'm like, you know, I should have taken more chances, like beginning in college and 
reasonable chances. I mean, like business, like just like trying to, instead of like saving more money, I would have tried investing more money or I would have looked at different asset classes and said, you know what, there's potential for greater return over here. Let me try that. And lastly, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, well, I love learning about people. So it'd be great if people want to find out about me, but I want to find out about people. I want to find out about your listeners. So I'd like to learn about their marketing challenges so they can get in touch with me on our website. It's trustdeepagency.com. It's one long word, Trust Deep Agency, or they can look us up on LinkedIn, Trust Deep. And I love hearing about like questions that people have or you know branding scenarios. Like p- People come to me and just ask me, like, hey, what should I do in this situation? Like the thing you asked me before, Kyle, about personal brand versus professional brand. Like, bring me your marketing questions and challenges, no matter how basic or advanced. We'll talk to them. Awesome. Well, great stuff. Lots of huge takeaways for our listeners. So thank you for that. And thanks for being on our show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Stace. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.